Welcome to Transformation Church Podcast. Today we are in our series, Relationship Goals, a biblical perspective on achieving godly relationships in singleness, dating, and in marriage. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Amen. So let's get our notes out and and let's get started in this today. Um, This is week eight of uh, the Relationship Goals series and just by what I've heard, like what I've heard from people, this series has blessed people's lives. This, people, this series has helped people walk um, differently when it concerns relationships. I think I saw uh, something on, online that over 10,000 people have watched the first video that we put up on this series. Now, y'all know I'm, I'm not about numbers or anything, but this is something that God wants to say to people. And so as I, as I begin to say, God, how do you want me to end this series? How do we need to close this thing out? He said, well, I, I want you to ask everybody a question. And first, I want you to ask yourself this question. And this is the question that came to me in prayer. How do I know a relationship needs to end? Like, if we're going to end, why don't we go ahead and end? Because a lot of people have relationships with people, things, places, and we're not sure if this relationship is supposed to continue to go forward or if it's supposed to end. And I may dare say that a lot of, the, a lot of us spend a lot of unnecessarily t- necessary time in relationships that will not benefit us in the end. Okay, can we be honest just for one second? How many people have wasted time in relationships before? Hands up. If your hand is not up, you're lying. And this is all I'm saying to you. All of us have wasted time in relationship. If there was like a card that that came when you started a relationship that told you how it was going to end, we would stop a lot of relationships. Like you're going to waste four years with this person. You're going to have lower self-esteem and you're going to hate everybody around you when you end this. Do you still want this relationship? We'd be like, heck no. That's, that's not what I want. But many times it's hard to see the whole picture when I'm in it. If we can be honest, it's hard to see that I may have been in business with the wrong business partner when we're already in it. It may be hard to figure out that this friend is not my, the, the best for me after we've already been BFFs and we're going everywhere together and we're celebrating life monuments together. And so I just want to help us through the word of God see if we can be able to better identify how we know a relationship is supposed to end. And I started thinking about this. When God wants to bless you, how does he do it? He sends people into your life. And when the devil wants to distract you or destroy you, how does he do it? He sends people into your life. So if people come into our life are either a blessing or a curse, It's up to us to be able to decipher, is this relationship going to benefit me and push me towards what God has for me? Or is this relationship going to subtract from me and take away from what God has for me? And and I I thought about it like this. Um, There may be relationships that you have that are liabilities and not assets. And some of us don't understand those terms, but, but let me just explain it like this. Liabilities take from you. Assets give to you. What are the relationships in your life that are taking from you right now? Taking peace. Taking joy. Taking time. 
The one thing we'll never get back. It, they're taking people that are always negative, people always in drama, people that are always telling us the truth, but it always has a bend towards what's wrong in life. And they're, they're sucking and they're taking and, and they're moving things from. And I just think that it's God's plan that the relationships in our life are supposed to be helping us and moving us towards purpose. The whole reason we started this series is so that we could help every person win in relationship. Everybody say, I want to win in relationship. So now I need us to take an inventory. Today is one of those messages that I call, let's just take an inventory. Not, this ain't for your neighbor. This ain't for anybody else. This is for you. And I want you to take an inventory. If you were to write down a list right now of all your acquaintances, friends, best friends, your day one, A1s, your bros, your girls, your business colleagues, your mentors, your students, relatives, business partners, associates, teammates, clients, followers, fans, supporters, boyfriends, girlfriends, baby mamas, baby daddies, friends with benefits, just friends, fiance, spouse, spiritual leader, pastor, and even your church. My question is, are they adding value to you? Or are they taking value from you? Because all of us have relationships that we would say, this benefits me and this probably doesn't benefit me. And this is the crazy thing. We like, if they benefit us any, we like to keep the relationship even if most of what they do is negative. Well, how could I get out of that relationship? But I, I, I read this one thing that they said, if you, had the, the, if you were thirsty and, and there was a glass of tall water, but they told you that there was one drop of strychnine or poison in it, would you drink it? And I said, no. They said in the same way that many of us have relationships with people that there's poison in their relationship, but we still keep them and invite them into the areas of our life that affect us. And so I begin to ask God, okay, well, how do I need to know that a relationship needs to end. And, and God wasn't just giving me a st straight answer. It was like he was schooling me. And I love this because when I spend time with God, when I spend time in prayer, when I spend time seeking God for what I'm supposed to say here, he never lets me preach anything that he doesn't take me through first. So you, sh you should have quality assurance that anytime I stand up here and I'm saying something to you, God's already taken me through the ringer on this. And this is what he said. He said, Michael, some of the problems that you face are a result of the people you embrace. He said, some of the problems that you are facing right now are because of the people that you keep embracing. The same type of people, the same type of greedy people, the same type of people who don't care about what God cares about, the same type of people. If you think about it in your life, all the people that you have relationship issues with, you get rid of them and they come back with different faces. Just think about it. Oh, I, I, I'm done with bad boys. I ain't messing with no bad boy. Forget you, Gerald. And then Ricky comes, and he's a bad boy too. And then you get rid of Ricky, and now you're 28, and now it's Ramon. And you get rid of Ramon, and then it's Lawrence. And then it doesn't matter. It's just different faces. And I'm, I'm talking about any relationships. Many people have been in bad business relationship after bad business relationship. Many people have been from church to church. Now, how come you find the same people at every church? Something wrong with every church you've been at? The pastor ain't teaching the word at every church you've been at? You are the common denominator. 
But if we think about that from a godly perspective, it's because a lot of the relationship problems that we have are because of the relationship people we are embracing. And so Paul is saying to us in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, he's talking to a group of believers and he's saying, hey, listen, when you hang around people that aren't going the same way, you're weakening your ability to stand. You're weakening your ability to stand and you're not standing for what is right. And he says this, he says, don't be fooled by those who say such things or by people who weaken your stance in what you know is right for bad company corrupts good character. I don't care how good you think you are. Hang around people who gossip. Hang around people who steal. Hang around people who cheat. Hang around people who are lukewarm. That act one way on Sunday and act a completely different Monday through Friday. You won't be the person who affects change. They will infect you. That's what the scripture says. And we all know Proverbs 27, 17 as iron sharpens iron. So a friend sharpens a friend. We always say that. Hey, hey, hey Vern, could you bring me out um, my example real quick? Um, this right here is an ax. This is iron. Okay? This is iron right here. But the thing about this iron is it has become dull. This should be able to slice me wide open. But the only reason that it's not slicing me open is because it's been hitting against wood. When I read that scripture, sometimes I reverse engineer scripture when I'm studying. So if iron sharpens iron, what doesn't sharpen iron? Wood. What happens is if iron and wood are constantly in relationship, okay, this can never be sharpened because it's not made from the same material. So this is what the scripture says when it tells us not to be unequally yoked. Because if I'm walking with a material that doesn't or is not able to supply me with the sharpening that I need, there's two things that happen. If I'm in a relationship with somebody, something, some venture that is not equally yoked, what happens is one will become damaged and the other will become dull. No, you missed it. You missed it. See, many of us are in relationships that are unequally yoked and it's hurting both of you. Because you started off sharp, but you started having relationship with wood. People that don't have the same values, people that don't believe God. Oh, we can just do it this one time. We can go to the club tonight. It's your birthday. You 22, you 28, you 35, you 69. Get out the club. Do you, do you, but do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And we, we just keep hitting against something. And what happens is the thing that was sharp becomes dull. And the thing that was wood becomes damaged. So my question is, when we look at our lives and we look at what God wants to do in us relationally, what are you doing and what have you done to make sure that your relationships are godly relationships? And so when I look at this, I say, okay, so what do we have to do? To find out how we know a relationship supposed to end. And remember, today is just a suggestion for you. Pastor Mike is not mandating anything that you need to go in this relationship or you. But if the shoe fits, I mean, if you a size 10 and a half and this mug is a 10 and a, put it on. Okay. Look at Hebrews 12 one. 
And I think this is an anchor scripture for this whole message. Therefore, since we have been surrounded with such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, like there have been people who've done this and they made it to the end of it and they still had faith and they trusted God. And we have those witnesses. It says, let us, who's he talking to? Us. Let us strip off every weight. Now, now this is the thing that I love about this is it doesn't say strip off every sin. Because if it said sin first, all of us would, would be like, okay, we get that. But this is saying you need to lay down or get rid of every weight. That includes relational liabilities. You need to get rid of every relationship that is not moving you towards purpose. And, and, and look at it. it. It doesn't say, it says get rid of every weight that slows us down. And this makes me excited too because it didn't say every weight that makes us stop. Because we, we think it would be fine if that, yeah, no, we really do need to get them out of our life because they're making us stop. It says don't even have people around you who are slowing you down. Like, so the criteria is changing. It's not sin. It's not stopping. It's who's in your life that's slowing you down. And when we start to identify that, that makes us look at our friends, our relationship, our business partners completely different. Like, I am always talking to you about drama and issues. Or I am always wasting time trying to explain myself because you think I have an ulterior motive, but I really am just trying to sharpen you and make you better. But you actually think I'm coming at you and I'm jealous of you, boo. I am not jealous of you. I'm just like, who's around us that's slowing us down? Now, you think about it. Don't nudge them if they sit next to you. Just stay straight. Look at me. Okay. It says, and then it addresses sin. And I think God does this for a reason to let us know it's not just sin. He said, oh yeah, sin's going to trip you up. It's especially the sin that so easily trips us up. But then it gives us hope and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So I just want you to just picture for a second, you on a track and you in a lane. And that lane is your lane. Like nobody else is even allowed to run in that lane. That's your lane. And God's saying, I don't want anybody coming into this lane to trip you up because I have a race for you to run and I want you to run it with endurance. And if you run this race, how I've called you to run it, you're going to win a prize and you're going to be satisfied because what I wanted to do in your life is better than anything you ever wanted to do in your life. And I need you to trust me, but you got to do two things. You got to get all these weights off of you and you got to get sin out of your life. So when I look at this and in the light of relationship goals and all this other things, I still ask the same question. How do I know a relationship needs to end? So I want us to look at the father of faith and a situation that happened in his life, Abraham. And I want us to go to Genesis and I want you to go ahead and part in Genesis 15 verse 6. But I'm going to give you a little backstory of what, what has happened because some of you are saying, how do I need to know this relationship needs to end? Okay, let me just give a caveat. If you are married, if, if some of these things begin to, to um, show you some issues and some problems you have, you, you, it's an awesome thing for you because you get to work this out inside of covenant. Amen. See, some of y'all thought y'all was going to get a license. This is it. This is the day. Pastor Mike, tell No. No, no, no. There's only a few reasons that you're able to come outside of the covenant of marriage. And that's why I tell all my single people is so very important 
that you don't rush into anything that God has not ordained. Because there's a covenant that God wants to, to, to establish to you. And Malachi says that marriage is sacred and it, and it tells us that God hates divorce. And, and so there are some reasons that that needs to happen. But this is what I, what I wrote down for all my married people. You don't get to end, you get intervention. You get counseling. You get, to, you get to call somebody and tell them all your issues and your problems and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and heal. And so some of y'all, the rest of this stuff, you're going to be able to listen to and you're going to be able to apply it to other relationships. But that marriage one, God wants you to fight for that one. He wants you to stay through the struggle in that one. And there's a beautiful story that comes at the end when God is the only one that can redeem and bring it back to life. Amen? Amen. And man, so let's, let's look at how do we need to know a relationship needs to end. Abraham, he's the father of our faith. Abraham um, is one of those people um, that his name changed. And when we find him first, his name is Abram. And um, he's just obeying God. He's a dude out here. He's not perfect, but he's just out here trying to obey God. Um, I don't know. Some of y'all may have known the song. Y'all may have been raised in a uh, uh, vacation Bible school like me, but there was a little song about Abraham. It was like, Father Abraham had many sons. Some of y'all know it. And many sons have Father Abraham. Come on, sing with me. And I am one of them. And so are you. Everybody, so let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, merely rock. Let it drop. Let, no, I'm Excuse me. That was the... Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm renewed. Amen. Um... But um, what ended up happening, some of y'all were raised in the same ratchet youth group I was, but, um, but, but, but what happens is Abraham gets a promise in chapter 15, where God comes to him and he says, hey, listen, you're going to have a son. And Abraham's like, don't even play with me like that. You know I'm old. Like, <laughs> I'm old. She old. We're not about to have no son. I'll just keep serving you. He said, no, 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 no. You're going to have a son. And he said, matter of fact, come outside. He was like, look up in the stars and try to count them. You can't, can you? Nope, because I'm God and I made them. And he said, that is the number of descendants you are going to have to have. And Abraham was like, God, for real, you don't have to play with me. I'll just serve you. Don't make me these promises and you're not really going to come through on them. And he said, no, I promise you that you're going to have a son. And from your son, you're going to have descendants. And look what it says in chapter 15, verse 6. Genesis 15, verse 6. It says, and Abraham believed the Lord. And I want you to underline that and circle that because we're going to need that in a minute. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Okay? So I'm going to take a different approach on this whole story, and I hope we can find some, some things on this because God just gave this. He downloaded it to me, and, and I'm excited about it. But I need you to stay with me because we're going to draw some context clues of how we know we're supposed to end a relationship. So go to chapter 16, okay? And it's crazy because at the end of 15, it says he believed the Lord. But at the beginning of 16, there's problems about to start. Like we didn't even wait two chapters, to, to, to get into problems. We end with, God, I believe you. And the next page, what, what, watch what happens. It says, verse 16, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, well, baby, 
the Lord has prevented me from having children. So go and sleep with my servant. I know Abraham's eyes got big. He said, uh, 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 you want me to do what? You heard me, baby. Go sleep with Hagar. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham said, you know what? You are a smart woman. You use a woman of God. Use a woman that I love. She said, he agreed. See, this is how I read the Bible. I don't know about y'all, but this is how it comes to me. He said, he agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to, Abraham, to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Verse 4, so Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. How do you know a relationship needs to end? Point one, when you started it and God didn't. We could go home right there. Because in verse 15, God gave Abram and Sarah a promise. But at the start of 16, they started looking at their situation. And they wanted to help God do what he said he was going to do. And isn't that how we usually get in bad relationships? Is that God has given us a promise or he's telling us to wait or telling us to wait on him or he's telling us that he's going to do something. He has a purpose and a plan for our life. But then we start looking at our situation. Well, God, I'm 30. Well, God, I'm, I'm this and I'm that and I thought this was going to happen and I thought that was going to happen and I thought that was going to happen. So let me help you fulfill your promise to me. But what God spoke to me and he's been just, I mean, ravaging my heart with, he said, Michael, there's no such thing as godly ambition. You can't help God do what he has already done, what he's doing and what he's about to do. You can't help him. All you can do is obey him. And many of us are trying to help God fulfill his promise to us. And when we do that, we invite relationships in that were never meant to happen. Abraham was never supposed to ever be in relationship with Hagar, but his wife had a bright idea. Let me help God fulfill his promise to me. And doesn't that sound like us so many times? That we go and because we call him Jehovah Jireh in verse 15, chapter 15, but Christmas comes. So we go pick up a second and third job to be Jehovah Jireh, my own provider. Yeah. And then we meet the person who brings the boxes named John. And we start having a cordial relationship that turns into an emotional affair that we were never even supposed to experience if we would not have tried to be Jehovah Jireh and fulfill the promise in our life. How many business deals have we taken and people we've gotten in relationship with and people that we're going, we, we went to the wrong school because we were trying to help God fulfill our promise. So this is where all my friends were going, so that's where I went and you met people you were never supposed to meet. You have relationships with professors you were never supposed to be in their class. 
I just want you to see when you start relationships that God doesn't, it always ends bad for you. And you see this, that they were impatient and they didn't believe the promise enough to wait on it. So my question is to every person in this room is how many relationships do you have in your life as a result of you not waiting on the Lord? Well, that's my bro. And I'm not talking. No, you can't be talking about him. That's my dog. He holds me down. Literally. Remember that casting off every weight? He's holding you down. And this relationship that Abram had with Hagar is one that is going to pan out over about five chapters of the Bible to have held him down and caused relational issues with his promise. Because he invited something in that was never supposed to be there. When you don't wait on the Lord, you give the enemy opportunity to introduce you to counterfeits. When you don't wait up on the Lord, you give the enemy entrance to introduce you to counterfeits. And then we deal with the results of counterfeit relationships. We deal with the results of counterfeit opportunities. And then we have to get healed and delivered from something God never meant for us to experience. So how do you know a relationship is supposed to end when you started it and God didn't? I need you to hear that because perception is everything. Look at verse two. Um, when, when, when Sarah comes here, she says, so Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. See, this is why perception is so, so key because the Lord wasn't preventing her from having children. He was preparing her to have children. But if you have the wrong perception, you will get with the wrong partners and you will have a wrong pregnancy. Because her perception was broken, she tried to partner her husband up with somebody else and they got pregnant with something illegitimate. And many of us are sitting here carrying around things that were birthed out of illegitimate relationships. You got insecurities that didn't even come from people who were supposed to be in your life. Like because you hooked up with them, now you self you thought you was fine before you got with him. You thought you was banging, now you was with him for six months and you look at yourself worse than you ever have. That was an illegitimate baby that was formed by a wrong partnership. Ah. You used to know that you were called by God and know you could be used by God. And now you questioning, can I even pray out loud? But those were things that with the wrong perception, and that's the enemy's plan to think, to make us think that God's keeping something from us. And that he's not preparing something for it. But my Bible says that, 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 that God had plans for you before you even got here to prosper you. To give you a hope in a future and we have to turn off the lie of the enemy because if we don't we open ourselves to wrong relationships and we come pregnant with something that will bring us pain in the end and Abram Abram and Sarah don't even know it yet so then she says go and sleep with my servant perhaps this is so sad Perhaps I can have children, or let me say it a different way. Perhaps I can get the promise 
through somebody else. God will never bring your promise through somebody else. Like, like he will never fulfill his word to you through somebody else. And that's why I tell people don't get married because of what they do. Get married because y'all are called to be together. Because you won't fulfill purpose because they fulfill in purpose. You have to know the race that God has called you to run by yourself. So that's why I, read, I live my life according to Proverbs 3, 5. It's familiar, but it brings new context when we talk about relationships. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. You know what? I can understand. This makes sense to Sarai and Abram. I'm old and dusty. He's old and dusty. I know I can't have no kids, but he might have a couple swimmers left in there. Let me go ahead and hook him up with somebody I know has some childbearing hips and can get his baby. A ba but many times if we lean to our own understanding, we get in trouble. So the Bible tells us trust in the Lord. Don't lean to this because that logically makes sense. But then what did he say? Seek God's will in all you do. Another translation says, acknowledge God in everything you do, and he will show you which path to take. So that means that before we get into any relationship, we need to be acknowledging God and asking him, is this the path I'm supposed to take? And I don't know about you, but I'm guilty of getting into things and then asking God to bless it afterwards. Okay, can we be honest? Can we have a hot moment? How many people will get into stuff and be like, God, can, this one? Could you please? Okay. Like, this one looks good. And so God gave me verbiage for this. He said, Michael, I don't want you to do anything without permission to pursue. Don't do it without permission to pursue. That's what I pray. I don't take a business deal anymore without permission to pursue. I don't take an engagement out to speak somewhere else without permission to pursue. I don't get in relationship without permission to pursue. Because if I lean to my own understanding, I don't see all of the other things that are going to happen with that. But God sees all things that are going to happen. So when I acknowledge him and be like, God, hey, is this, am I supposed to get into business with them? Do I have permission to pursue? And I feel peace and I feel God saying yes. And I'm not talking about an audible, yes, son, yes supposed to pursue because y'all get so deep sometimes. I'm not talking about that, but when I pray and I feel that peace and I don't get a check in my, and I really prayed, not, not at the business table, not at the door, not at the altar. Is she the one? No, no, it's too late. But do I have permission to pursue? I found that even if I make the wrong decision, God comes back and honor it because I acknowledged him. Because even if I didn't hear, because the Bible tells us we hear and see through a glass darkly. Like, we're not going to get everything right. As your pastor, I miss it sometimes. I'll be like, God told me to do this. And, and then it pans out like God was nowhere near that. Do you understand what I'm saying? But my heart was right towards it. And I tried to acknowledge God. And so I think that we need to go back and evaluate all of our relationships and ask God, do I have permission to pursue this? That school opportunity, that business deal, that promotion, I know you're going to make more money, but is that going to open you to a level of greed that's going to corrupt your soul? And what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul?
God, do I have permission to pursue this? Because you want what's best for me. You want what's good for me. You want everything. And, and, and that's what Sarah and Abram should have asked. Do I have permission to pursue? But no, they did like most of us. We're going to make this happen and we're going to pray that God blesses it. But it works out for a bad situation and then God turns it good. Can I just give you this one nugget? Um, the best time to end something is before it begins. Like, like the best time to fire somebody is before you hire them. Like the best time to break up with somebody is before you get with them. But you can't do that if you don't have a standard. Without a standard, everybody's able. Everybody's available. And God wants us to set a standard. And what is the standard? It's the word of God. Because when the word of God becomes our standard, we're able to measure people against that. When the Bible says don't make friends with angry people because they will lead you down a wrong path. A, a lot of people be like, oh, he's in my boyfriend. I mean, he got a temper. Like, you know it. Like, like you know it. But when we don't make the word of God our standard, we accept everything into our life and then we have to live with the damage. It's again that iron mixing with that wood and one becomes damaged and the other becomes dull. And so Hebrews 10:36 says, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. So it might be the time for you to end a relationship. I don't know. I'm not telling you you need to end a relationship, but it might be a sign that you need to end a relationship in your life when you started it and God didn't. So at the end of verse four, Hagar is just wilding. She walking around with her belly out. She's like, ha, ha, I'm pregnant by your man. And, and that, that's what the Bible says. She says she's treating her with contempt. She's gloating and flaunting what has happened in her life. And, and then look at verse five. And this is where it gets real. Then Sarah said to Abraham, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms. But now she's pregnant and she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show you who's wrong, who's wrong, you or me. And Abraham replied, hold, hold on, hold up. Look, look, this was your idea. Do you understand what I'm saying? She's your servant, so you deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. What do I draw from this? How do you know a relationship needs to end? Point number two, when no one wants to deal with the real issues. Like, they just started arguing, but not about the issue. They started arguing about the outcome of the real issue. They never talked about the real issue. And doesn't that seem like a lot of relationships that we have with family members? Like you have problems with family members right now, like you're dreading going home for Thanksgiving, but it's been 15 years and y'all never talked about the issue. You, you, not the, no, no, you know the issue I'm talking about, the one that if you just get close around it, you get sore. Like people in relationships right now and they'll never talk 
about the actual issue. Look, just in these two verses, I see anger. I see blame shifting. I see avoidance. Abraham was like, girl, that ain't, I ain't do nothing. That was you. That You did that. You deal with her. And like most men would, we would just be like, I don't know nothing about that. You go ahead and handle it. And I see self-righteousness. I, I see comparison. I see apathy. And then even at the end, I see revenge. Those are real issues that they never addressed. Can I help you? That it may be time for a relationship to end when nobody's mature enough to address the real issues. See, because the thing that we know about relationship is all relationships have problems. Every single one of them. Wrong relationships have unaddressed issues. I need you to hear me say that. All relationships have problems. Unhealthy or wrong relationships have unaddressed problems. And they fester like a cancer. And this would go on in Abram and Sarai's life in the background while God's blessing them. While, while he's giving them descendants of nations, while, while everything looked good on the surface, it's festering and causing pain and problems in their lives. My question is, how many relationships do we have in our lives where we've never dealt with the real issue and it's festering where nobody can see it, where nobody's talking about it? We're going to come in and smile. Hey, I miss you. That's a lie. There's real hurt. There's real pain, but nobody wants to deal with the issues. See, in relationship, when you avoid the real issue, you ensure the relationship death. When you avoid it, when we won't go close to it, when we don't bring it to God, when we don't say, God, reveal in me what's wrong, not just them, because a lot of us, we want issues to be all their problem, but it takes two people to tango. There's issues on both parts. If we don't want to deal with the real issues, we're ensuring that that relationship is going to die at some point. So it may be advantageous for us to walk in honesty and truth. Look what Colossians 3.9 says. It says, don't lie to each other. Like, just stop. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature. Remember, we're laying down stuff again. We're stripping things off. You've already stripped off that sinful nature and it, all of its wicked deeds. What, what, what I'm saying right here through this scripture is that if you're going to be in relationship with somebody, it should be completely honest. Because at the moment, it's not completely honest. It's going to create problems for you at a later time. So I don't know. But a sign that a relationship may need to end, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not, maybe, maybe you can keep that going, keep that festering cancer just down there and keep it suppressed, but maybe. A sign that it needs to end is that nobody wants to deal with the real issues. So we end right there in this moment. Hagar runs off because Sarah punched her and beat up a pregnant woman. She runs, that's how I read the Bible, it says she treated her so bad that she ran off. I just imagine she came in swinging. So she, she, she messed her up and she ran off. She had an experience with God. She came back to the house and, and I know Abraham was like, oh, dang, why she come back? Because that's how our situations do sometimes. We think they're gone, but they keep coming back. And look at Genesis chapter 16, verse 15. It says, so Hagar and Abraham had a son. That wasn't Sarah and Abraham. That was Hagar and Abraham because they tried to do something God wasn't in. 
and they named him Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Why did you put that in there? Because drama doesn't have an age limit. Because some of y'all in here, when y'all hear me speak, y'all be like, that's for them young folks. They dealing with lust, all that passion burning, all this other stuff. You have friends that you gossip with every Tuesday. And those godly seeds are coming out of you. Age does not matter. Sin and falling away from God will find everybody. Abraham was six, 86 years old in drama. And it's going to take the God of the universe to come deliver him. So that was just for some self-righteous people who were sitting out here just saying that's for y'all young folk. Bless you. <laughs> so chapter 17, Abram, Abram's name is changed to Abraham and Sarai's name is changed to Sarah. Verse eight, chapter 18, um, Sarah gets a promise from God because she was doubting and, and, and the promise came and she laughed and she was like, there's no way. Remember, I am dusty and old. He is dusty and old. We tried this one time with the wrong relationship. It's not going to happen. And God said, did you laugh? She said, oh, no, I didn't laugh. He said, yes, you did laugh. He said, watch me fulfill my promise. And it comes in chapter 21. In chapter 21, 14 years, I want you to look at this, 14 years after they tried to make a way for themselves. Now, you've been waiting 14 days, and we're ready to give up. God has forgotten. He no longer sees his servant praying and crying out. No. He's going to fulfill his promise, but it just might not be on your timetable. And 14 years later, he delivers the promise called Isaac. Now watch what happens because everything was beautiful. I mean, amazing, blissful for seven verses. And then the problem we created comes back and knocks on our door. The, the wrong relationship that we started comes back and tries to delay our future. Look at it. Genesis chapter 21, verse 8. So when Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham and her Egyptian servant Hagar, making fun of her son Isaac. Oh, no, he didn't. Now, there's few things on earth that get a woman riled up, like somebody picking on their child. Like my wife gets mad at other people's kids for picking on other people's kids. Like there's this maternal instinct that you don't mess with my kid. And Abram and Hagar's illegitimate product is making fun of Abraham and Sarah's promise. Okay, so I, I, I want to help you understand it. So she turned to Abram, Abraham and made it. I, I mean, I know her hand was on her hip. She said, get rid of her. Get rid of that slave woman and her son. Now, remember, it was her idea. Because sometimes our own ideas grow up to become the thing that torment us. Our own 
own desires, our own relationship wants are the thing that grow up to, to torment us. Look at it. She said, but you get rid of it. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son. Isaac, just in case you forgot. I won't have it. Y'all know y'all get crazy. When y'all get crazy, y'all, I won't. What is all those tones and all of those whispering? You know when somebody mad and they start whispering, that's when it's real serious. I won't have it. Like, like that's when you're like, okay, all right, I'm done. So, so my last point is how do you know a relationship needs to end when what the relationship produces is picking on your promise? How do you know a relationship needs to end when what your relationship produces, the outcome of you being in a relationship with that person, when it starts picking on what God has called you to have? Can I give you some practical examples? Like if I'm in a relationship with a woman and what our relationship is producing is lust, it starts bullying or picking on my purity. And purity is the promise that God has for me as a believer in Jesus Christ. But if my relationship is bullying my promise, it's time for that relationship to end. If, if getting in partnership with that business partner and our business together, our relationship together is producing greed in me, that is bullying or punking Generosity, which is the promise God wants me to have. See, see, I just want you, if the relationship that you're in is abusive and, and it's producing fear, that fear is going to begin to pump your faith. And that's why you have so many people in the body of Christ that are trying to believe for something, but they're tied to wrong relationships who are bullying their promise. That, that I'm supposed, I know I'm supposed to do this. I know I got a book in me. I know God has a big call for my life, but I'm tied to something that keeps picking on what God told me I was supposed to have. Some of you in this room have a relationship with somebody and what that relationship is producing is isolation for you. And isolation is picking on the godly community he wants you to be in. Got somebody who won't let you go, something that won't let you be able to be all that God's. And I'm telling you that this may be more serious than anything in your life. If you have a relationship in your life that is bullying or picking on your promise, what God wanted, Ishmael was not even supposed to be here. And when Sarah saw her son, the promise, getting punked and bullied by the illegitimate product of the relationship, she said she got to go. The same way some of you need to get indignant about relationships and people who have been stealing from you and punking you of your promise. And you need to say, you know what? I know we've had a good thing, but you've got to go. I know we've been friends for 15 years, but you've got to go. I know I've had a love relationship with this computer and this website for years. When we did that detox, I, I know of one person who threw away a brand new Mac computer. Some of y'all like, oh, could he have please given that to me? But the problem, he said, is that every time I opened that computer, he said, I only was doing one thing. I was in a relationship, a soul tie with the pornographic website. And so I had to take the whole computer and I had to get rid of it because it wasn't worth my promise. And see, 
if you think what you have right now is more than what God has promised you, you'll fool yourself. And you'll keep ungodly relationships, things that are weighing you down, attached to you. And God says, let it go. And I know that's harder to do than it is to say. Because Abraham, in the next verse, it says, verse 11, it says, this upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. Like, that sucks because at the end of the day, Hagar and Abraham, they held each other at night. Like they had something. It was easy for Sarah to say, get her out of here. But, but she wasn't there when they were exchanging secrets. They, they weren't there. She wasn't there when he probably had to hold her hand while she was giving birth to the illegitimate child. So forms connect even if it's illegitimate. See, the reason why it's so important that you don't get in ungodly relationship is because you can become attached. Have y'all ever seen a castaway with Tom Hanks and that he's on an island and his best friend becomes a ball named Wilson? Because attachments can form with anything, especially when you're desperate. And Abraham was saying, Abraham was saying, man, I got something with her. This is hard. But look at it. Everybody is better off when you let it go. Look at verse 12, what God tells Abram. He says, but God told him, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you. What she tell him? End it. Get back. For Isaac is the son through whom who your descendants will be counted. Or Isaac is the promise. That's what I really want for you. I want you to experience your promise. But I will also, look how good our God is. I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son because he is your son too. What are you trying to say, Pastor Mike? When you end the relationship that's taking from you, everybody gets blessed. Like, like what you're trying to hold on to, God's saying cut it off because they get more blessed when you let them go and you get more blessed when you let it go. He said, I'll bless him too if you'll just let it go. Somebody needs to hear me right now who's been holding on to an abusive relationship, who's stayed at a job too long, who's done things and trying to do that. Because God says, if you let it go, if you end it, if you know this relationship, everybody gets blessed. So what did God tell Abraham to do? He told him to end it. And these are the four attributes of how he told him to end it in one verse. He said, end it quickly. Write that down. End it quickly. So Abraham got up early the next morning. That, 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 that's what the Bible says in verse 14. Now, if I didn't really want to do something, and if I was an emotional, I would have slept in that day. You know what I'm saying? Like, if God told me, I'd be like, okay, now I'm going. I'm going to tell her she got to go. I would have slept in till noon. But what did Abraham do? He said, when God told him that if you end this because it's taken from you, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless them. He ended it quickly. I'm telling some of you that have been hanging on to things and trying to work them out and figuring out for all the pieces to the right time to do that. There'll never be a right time. Today is the best time for you to do. You need to end it and you need to end it quickly. He rose up early the next morning. And then look what he said. He said, but he prepared food and a container of water and strapped them to Hagar's shoulder. What's the second thing, how he ended it? He ended it with blessings. See, the character that God is developing in you is 
that even when they don't deserve it, and he could have done that so nasty, you're supposed to end things with blessing. Even when they do you wrong. Even when they talk about you. Even when you know they're going out to probably badmouth you and tell everybody who you are, you end it with blessing. This man packed. He packed food. He didn't say he had another servant pack the food. He went and did it himself. He packed food. He packed water. And he even said, here, let me put it on your back and let me help you go to your next destination. As believers, we're not supposed to leave notes and say, get out. And it's over. Unless the situation calls for it, because there are some situations that are dangerous and abusive and different things like that. And that's why I love the word of God, because it just covers itself. Look at what the word says in Romans 12, 18. It starts with, if possible. So I'm telling you, in relationship, if possible, Romans 12, 18. So far as it pertains or depends on you, live peaceably with everybody. So I'm telling you, if you can end stuff peaceably, if possible, because you know some people crazy. Let's just be honest. Some people crazy. It is better to send them a text, like don't ever call me again, like and block them. But if you can be a blessing on the way out, like let me show one way to be a blessing, give them all their stuff back. Take all the stuff, even the ring and the shoes you have on right now. Go give it back to them. I don't want any... The material things can, can be replaced, but this is not worth my promise. Okay? And then look what it says. It says, then he sent her away with their son. I bet that was hard. But the way he ended it, he ended it intentionally. And many people are ending relationships very vague. They're saying stuff like this, you know, just for this season, I just know we're supposed to take a break. That leaves an open door for people and things to come back. He, he sent her away. You got to go. This is intentional. Like this is not a, oh, ah, do you remember? Do you, it's not that. It's like, you got to go. And I'm telling some of you, there are things that have been robbing you of your promise that you, you're not going to be passive about this. You're going to say, you've got to go. You've got to get out of here. I can no longer have association with you because you will rob me of my promise. And the last thing, how he ended it, he ended it trusting God. He held on to the promise that God said, because look, God did it before. See, the last time, the even reason he got into this is because he didn't trust and believe God's promise. So when God promised Isaac and Isaac actually came, now he can believe the word of God. And so when God told him, don't worry about the boy or the, or the woman, I'm going to take care of them. He believed the promise. He said, I trust you, God. I trust you with their future. I trust you with my future. They were yours before me. They were yours with me and they'll be yours after me. I trust you, God. And look what happens when we trust God and we do what's best for us in verse 20 of that that same chapter it says and God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness and he became a skillful archer and he even got married listen to me what I'm saying is what you think you're doing to somebody God's using to get them dependent on him see you've been their savior and God said I'm already being that if you get out the way I could truly be their savior See, if I had more time, I'd tell you about how Hagar went out into the desert and she had nothing, but she had an encounter with God. 
And after she had an encounter with God, God came down and he saved that woman and she saved that boy and she named the place the place where God hears the tears in the prayer. She got a real relationship with God because she got from around Abram. He was the savior, but then she met the savior in a place of wilderness. And so when you cut people off, you got to trust God with it. So I ask you again today as a church, how do you know that a relationship is supposed to end? When you started it and God did. When no one wants to deal with the real issues and when what the relationship produces is picking on your promise. Today, God wants to remind you of Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded with such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight, including relational liabilities that slows us down. As we end this relationship goal series, I want you to go evaluate every relationship that you have. And you need to determine, is it a liability or is it an asset? Because if it's a liability, if it's slowing you down, it's time to lay aside that weight. I don't want you to ever forget the example. Will you be the ax that will be sharpened against something that is made of the same material? Or will you be damaged and dull? Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. Father, you've spoken and you've spoken clearly today. I thank you, Father God, that you are searching our hearts and you're illuminating our relationships. God, if there's anything in our lives or anyone in our lives that is slowing us down and keeping us from our promise or just picking on our promise, Father God, I thank you that you'll reveal it to us, you'll show us. And God, you'll allow us to move in healthy relationships in right community, Father, with people who are for us and not against us. Holy Spirit, we're asking for you to be the one who reveals. God, we need your help because our heart is involved. God, we've made relationships and done things and been around people for so long that we might not even know how to even begin. But Father, your word says that you're a good father. And if we need help for anything, we can ask. So today we ask for your help to reveal every relationship in our life that's not like you. And then to give us the courage to end it quickly to end it with blessing, to end it intentionally, and to end it trusting you. That your plan for our life is better than anything we could ever draw up. God, you want us to win in relationship. And today we submit our lives to you. And we will listen and obey. In Jesus' name, we agree? Amen. Can we give God some praise right now? Hallelujah. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can get through our TC app or our website at transformchurch.us. And don't forget to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and live a transformed life.